Hello, everyone. This is your host, Kylie Rose Hollop with Positively Trans. So episode three, we're going to be talking a little bit about what it's like to compete as a trans athlete. This week, we got Jillian Bearden as our, our guest speaker. We're going to learn a little bit more about her journey thus far, her involvement with the International Olympic Committee, and you know what it's been like for her to compete as a trans athlete. So we're super excited to have her along. It's going to be an awesome episode, so stay tuned. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us for the third episode of Positively Trans. This week we got Jillian Bearden on the phone with us. Hey, how's it going? Oh, awesome. So happy to be here. Thanks for having me. No, absolutely. It's definitely, we're, we're super excited to have you and definitely, definitely thrilled to hear more about your story or, you know, your involvement with the International Olympic Committee and hear more about what it's like for you to, you know, to compete as a trans athlete. Absolutely. I would love to share anything I can and uh, to spread awareness and answer questions um, you might have or awesome. um, your viewers. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. So, yeah, I guess, you know, the first thing I'd love to start with is just, you know, tell us more about, about you and what your journey's, you know, been like so far. Yeah. Um, so I guess I probably started coming out um, as trans. 2012, 2013, somewhere in there is like when I really started kind of moving forward into my adventure um, and finding my true self. Um, I also was going to come out as trans when I was in my early 20s, and mm-hmm. um, I did counseling for years and years to try to just kind of grab that and um, come out then, but it was just too difficult. You know, there wasn't laws that protected you. There wasn't talk about HRT and being easy or laser uh, removal and different things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was a lot tougher back then. So um, I kind of hung it on the shelf and, you know, did the antidepressants thing. And a couple years later, you know, um, I guess it just kind of hit me. Um, It was overwhelming. And so here I am, and um, I guess I've been on HRT for just about two years now, and um, live full time as Jillian. Oh, that's and that's so awesome. I mean, and I, I can only imagine, you know, several years ago how how difficult it must have been to, you know, all the all the different things you need for being you know being trans. Like for me, only coming out. It's only been about a year and a half now. Things were definitely I wouldn't say easier but not as difficult as they seem to be in the past so no I definitely that must have been some trying times but it it sounds like you know you came out on top and you're living life life to the fullest now absolutely yeah it was you know it came to a place where I think it comes with everybody that we feel it's it's just that wave of um that dysphoria that comes over you is just like too much to bear Mm -hmm. You know, and we've all felt it, and that's what finally has brought us to that place. And I think inside that place, when I finally hit that wall, um, I feel like I got a whole bunch of energy and strength from that because mm-hmm. it was two roads. It was like, well, do I take my life or do I move forward over here? And if I move forward, you know, through being um, trans as a trans woman, I'm going to have to be strong. You know, I'm going to have mm-hmm. to not care what anybody thinks or feels or says, 
and I'm just going to have to plow through this um, to be my true self. And, um, you know, I'm very fortunate for that. And um, and that's how you have to kind of look at it is because, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of hatred out there. Um, but the thing is, at the end of the day is, you know, we're finding our true selves and that's magical. It's spiritual. It's a journey. And it has been a wonderful one. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. I mean, they're definitely... It, it's it's scary to take that leap of faith, but once you do, and if you can pick yourself up and just and move forward and and live authentically, like there's there's nothing like it. And that's easier said than done for each individual, but it's so great to to hear. You know, I I love when you said it, it gave you a sense of strength once you did it. Like I, I feel. I feel that same way as when, you know, when I finally decided like this, this is me, I'm going to own it. And I, the only person that I have to judge myself to is the person I was yesterday. Like I, I haven't, I've been so happy since I, I, I took that leap, leap that day. And it's so great to hear another, another story where you, it just gave you that strength. It's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it's very powerful. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. And and so and another awesome thing is you you were you're married you're married, correct? And um how how has that been been for you since yeah since coming out to your to your partner? Um if you're willing to share that share that with No, absolutely. Today. No, it was um I mean, it was tough at first. It was not easy. Um just because I mean you don't really visualize that as, you know, my wife did that, you know, your spouse is going to be well, a lesbian, you know, a woman. And um mm-hmm. so I think just grappling the ideas and understanding more about what it is to be transgender, it's more of that understanding um of what it means and how the process mm-hmm. works and She's a very scientific type of person. So watching mm-hmm. it a lot of reading and understanding that this is, this is real and it's not just something that we talk about. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it started coming around, but I will say that her and I both did a lot of counseling for a long mm-hmm. time. So, um, you know, it wasn't like we just kind of went through it and pretended like nothing was going on. Um, she actively mm-hmm. went out to a counselor by herself and I did. One, I was already in one by myself. And so, you know, and then we'd come together as a couple counseling. And uh, mm-hmm. so we both worked really hard on it. But now our relationship is better than ever. Um, we love each other more than ever. And it's great. You know, I had a really, um, half my family is welcoming. Um, the other half mm-hmm. is not. So, you uh, know, yeah. um kind of dealing with some of that but um as far as as Sarah goes she was amazing and she's my rock she's she's everything to me and we have two children which is um mm-hmm. amazing and so five and two year old and uh, oh my goodness <laughs> yeah so our house is super super busy but um you know oh, they yeah. still they they call me dad um especially mm-hmm. the older one uh, which you know, I'm not going to change that, um, just however he feels comfortable. But, you know, my daughter goes back and forth between mom and dad. So mm-hmm. um, that's kind of interesting, you know. Um, definitely 
it's really interesting when you're like on a plane or something and you're your son's calling you dad and everybody's looking over at you like, hmm, like what? <laughs> what, what? What's going on here? But uh, no, I have a very supportive family life. So I'm very blessed. Good. No, that's awesome. And I, I definitely think, I mean, every, every scenario is different with couples. And, and the fact that I, we, my wife and I kind of looked at it as you, you have to essentially transition together. There's going to be peaks and valleys in it. Um, there's going to be a lot of self-discovery for your spouse as well. And if you both can come out on the same side and be supportive of each other, I do like in your your case too. Like your relationship stronger to, stronger than ever, and that's how how ours is as well. It's just it's brought us together, um, and it's a beautiful thing. And you know, not everyone's as fortunate as we are, but I mean, it's nice to hear these stories and know that it is possible to to you know work through these things and come out on the other side stronger than ever. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're right. I mean, it is like a journey for both both mm-hmm. parties involved. I mean, I think doing what we're doing is um, transitioning from one, one gender to another. I feel like mm-hmm. it's the most spiritual, eye-opening kind of journey uh, path that I could ever go on. It's um, it, it has really meant a lot to me. Because it really, mm-hmm. you start seeing the world through different lenses, um, and you start mm-hmm. seeing people differently, economy, um, how the world works, the positivity, the negativity, and, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's amazing. So when you're going through that, yeah, your your partner's going through that too because they're out there with you in society as well, you know, on Facebook mm-hmm. and on all these different media sites. Um, so they have to adjust as well. So yeah, you're right. It's it's a journey for both parties. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely, it's definitely yeah. The journey is the best way to <laughs> best way to describe <laughs> it. So, um, but yeah, so the, that's awesome. So you know, hearing a little bit more about you, you know your life and you know everything since transition. So now you know let's let's talk a little bit about the transnational women's cycling team and you know why you started it. It's the first transgender team essentially in the world so can you tell us a little bit more about that and you know why you guys yeah absolutely so I think kind of um in June um so I a little backstory real quick I have was born and raised in Colorado Springs and um have never left (laughs) still in like this one mile square radius but um so everybody knowing me as who I used to be, but I was also an mm-hmm. athlete before. So it wasn't really possible for me to stay in the same town and be able to transition without, you know, people really knowing. So I had to figure out like a, a direct path and not care. But with that being said, when I did transition, a lot of people are like, wow, you know, saw me at races and the other in, in the women's categories. And, uh, so people started doing like write-ups in the local paper and stuff like that. Um, and kind of when that started happening, that it started going, you know, I posted on Facebook and then it would, you know, I'd get a friend request from like somebody, I don't know, on the East Coast, you know, that read it through however the media works, how fast it works. Mm -hmm. And so from there, um, I just started meeting a lot of awesome women, trans women, of course, um, 
that were athletic and they had, mm-hmm. you know, I, I met a ton, but there's a, a handful of women that were just, they had positive vibes, you know, they, they're athletic. Mm-hmm. They were, they wanted to do something more for mm-hmm. the world and, and spread awareness. So as I was talking to these different women and kind of knowing like, wow, um, these women would be really good to start something because they have a passion. They have a fire inside. So I had an idea of starting a women's cycling team and I brought it to their attention. I said, Hey, I have this, this idea. Um, and that's kind of where it's born. So we started, you know, I brought on, um, you know, it, it, it's kind of changed, um, the mm-hmm. people at the top, but, um, at first it was like three girls and then one dropped off because of personal reasons. And then we kind of added another one. And so right now, mm-hmm. um, I guess there's five of us, um, at the top and we're really like more of a board. Um, mm-hmm. we are filing for our 501c3 right now, but that's kind that's of where awesome. it started. So it was, it was a mutual thing that we wanted to come together and, um, and, you know, make something bigger in life. And mm-hmm. the fact that I had already been working so closely with USAC, which is USA Cycling. So mm-hmm. when the IOC um, changed its rules in January, I knew the IOC was the governing body of the USAC. So knowing that mm-hmm. they're the governing body and and pretty much the USAC has to adopt their rules. They don't have to, but you got to make a compelling point of the governing body not to uh, take something that the ISC just came out with. So I started working with USAC, which and we call it just USAC, <clears throat> but I started working with them. Um, because I was an athlete before, um, I was really far up in the ranks. So, I didn't want to change my gender marker, my license, and start at the very bottom because that just wouldn't have been fair, and it wouldn't have given me any competition, you know? So Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. where I approached them, and we started this dialogue, and (coughs) it probably lasted just about three months, maybe a little bit more, Um, Mm -hmm. and they finally granted me a cycling license. Um, So knowing that it's possible that that can happen and um, working with USAC so closely and them adopting the, the ISC policy, you know, in the back of my mind, me wanting to start a cycling team was just very realistic and it just made sense. It was like, mm-hmm. you know, and through talking with these different women, I found like a ton of them in the Midwest that would die to be on a women's team and they've tried and they get denied. And it was just like, oh, wow. Yeah, it's horrible. So that's where it probably almost sunk in for me that it was more of a a thing that we could pull the cycling community together as a whole Mm -hmm. and and also provide a place that these women in the Midwest or some of them, you know, in North Carolina area. I know a lot of girls that are are racing there, South Carolina, and um, 
I've had some pretty pretty bad experiences being on a women's cycling team. You know, once they start winning, of course, nobody cares mm-hmm. if you aren't winning. But um, so we kind of did that, and um, so I think it just it was natural to start trans transnational women's cycling team. And the women were on board, and they're strong women, and so that we just kind of went forward, and we started a a, a private chat, you know, on Facebook, mm-hmm. and just started organizing. Yeah. And um, and now we're we're licensed through USAC, and um, you know we'll we'll race our first race in 2017. We just launched our our website, um, mm-hmm. w- which is just. Um, which is transnational women's cycling team, but it's abbreviated. So, um, it's a little bit shorter, but mm-hmm. so that started, we're going to start registration, um, probably in the next couple of days. And there's a two part team and, you know, through talking with the different women on the board, you know, we worked through painstaking kind of talking to this, this trans woman over here, this trans woman and, getting their experiences and what they feel. And that's how we've kind of created this team is throughout the policies, like the different things Mm -hmm. that we did. I mean, so we really heard the community and put together this team. And so therefore that's why we have a two part team. Um, One part is just the race team. Now Mm -hmm. anybody can be on the race team that they want. Um, You just have to, follow under the IOC ruling that was happened earlier this year. So, which pretty much says that you have to be at a certain testosterone level for Mm -hmm. um, one year. And uh, we have that policy on our website. So if anybody's ever curious about this policy, go under, you'll, you'll find it. It just, it's labeled IOC, print it off in it. And you could even just give it to your doctors and say, Hey, I want to get in line. You know, I want to I want to be safe here, and um, they would know how to address you know what you're taking to maybe bring down mm-hmm. your testosterone if possible, or mm-hmm. if they need to. But maybe you don't need to. But that's the reason. Right. So if you kind of conform um, to IOC rules, um, you can be on the race team. And the only reason there is because we have to follow USAC's rules, and we have to follow IOC mm-hmm. rules. So if we, you know, um, you know, we don't follow their rules, we're going to get in trouble and we won't be able to be licensed through them. And, and plus I want to, um, and we want to create, um, a place that, um, is fair competition for all. And everybody mm-hmm. knows, like everybody on this team is going to be in line because we aren't going to put up with, somebody not being in line because that's our reputation and and as as a team but also as trans women um we don't Mm -hmm. want that so so that's the race team if you follow under the ioc rules you can race for us so you don't you could be you could just have picked up your bike but you've been transitioned for three years and joined the race team so it doesn't mean that you um, have been racing for years to be on the team. So it's mm-hmm. that. And then, um, so the club team is anybody that's in transition. So let's say they want to transition in their cyclist and they plan on being on hormones. 
So anybody that associates themselves as being female can join the, the mm-hmm. club team. Um, oh, that's, and, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It gives them a place to start. It gives them a home. Mm-hmm. It gives them a cycling community. We have a closed Facebook group for all of our club members. So we can be on a different, you know, platform speaking about mm-hmm. our races, how that's helped being trans, what it feels like to transition as an athlete, you know, but also give each other, um, you know, good, you know, good luck this weekend or how was it? You know, anything could be talked about on this, on, on this closed Facebook site, but you would have to be a member. So that will bring everybody together on a national level. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing is we wanted it to be national because a, the women, say in the Midwest that are really struggling to be on a women's team can't be because of, so we wanted to outreach to those people, but also bringing the the trans community together and also up at the same time saying, Hey, we're here too. And, you know, we love sports. We love to cycle and we love to be active and out there in the community. And it's like, why should we, put ourselves down and and kind of stay in the sidelight over here or not in the light at all. You know, I mean, so it's, it's a place to empower women and Mm -hmm. make them feel comfortable about being in a community. And, um, you know, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to, we have um, a lot of sponsors for this year, um, 2017 Mm -hmm. that jumped on board. So we're very, very fortunate for the first year to be, having sponsors um because we haven't shown anything um and and this is going to be the most controversial team in the world you know so for people to <laughs> I know even us go ahead no i was going to say yeah no it, it definitely especially with the the climate we're kind of going into and that, like you said to have that have that sponsorship without really having done a whole lot right now um it's huge for you which is awesome yeah, absolutely. Um, we're, we're thankful and, um, we're hopeful mm-hmm. as well at the same time that next year, like we'll get more and more sponsors, you know, and we'll get people donating. I mean, overall, in the, the course of uh, maybe two, three years for the, the race team, we would love to have our girls like be on this traveling team where, you know, before the season, we'll say, hey, these, you know, our team, the race team is going to hit 10 big races in, you know, across America and be able to pay for their way to go and race these and, um, you know, be a, a true team, um, elite team. So there's a lot of work before that. So, but mm-hmm. that's, that's something, that's a vision of ours. And, um, Another vision is giving back because we know our sponsors have, are giving to us. So we're trying, we want to give back and we want to be seen that we aren't just a team that are ta- is taking from the community. We're trying to give back. So a really neat thing that recently just happened is we partnered up with Trans Lifeline. Oh, <clears throat> so, awesome. yeah. Um, so what we're going to do is like the women on the race team, um, and this is pretty standard throughout teams, but um, you're going to have to volunteer. So um, the club team is there's it's it's ninety dollars to join the team. 
you can have access to everything. Um, it's, it's like a gym membership, right? Or something like that. But, right. Um, mm-hmm. So on the race team, um, as, as a perk, if you complete so many races, it's eight races a year and you volunteer for 10 hours, you'll get your $90 back. So that's kind of a nice little incentive. Um, so what that means is, and the club team can volunteer too. It's not just, um, you know, the race team, but what we'll do is four times a year, Trans Lifeline will, um, host a Google's Hangout and, um, or some kind of chat, you know, platform and everybody will call in and learn how to answer the phones for different people calling in. So once we're, you could say certified, it's a four hour kind of class. Um, all these women, you know, let's say if we have a race member in California and she has to do her hours, which at that point, there's only six more because she's already done four to learn how to do this. <clears throat> she would, um, she would call in and take, they have, they, they have the capability of like switching their phones to then ring mm-hmm. to that cell phone. So that's how they can do it. They can volunteer from home, you know, on a six hour shift and, um, you know, help these women, um, calling in, but also, you know, anybody that's struggling with gender dysphoria, you know, it's cause mm-hmm. trans lifeline takes anybody and, and so will we. It's, it's anybody, but since it's through our team that we're giving back, it'll be, you know, just our team members, which are going to be trans women, um, helping out. So yeah, the thing that we've done and, um, they're going to help us on their social uh, media platform and we're going to help them as well. And they're going to be on our Jersey and, um, they're already on our Facebook page and, um, our website. So yeah, it's, it's a neat thing to know that we can give back at the same time and, and share that, that positive vibe, but also give, um, the people calling through maybe an outlet for them. Maybe they've never experienced going out and being athletic or riding a bike or mm-hmm. something. So maybe before we get off the phone, we can say, Hey, you know, do you have an interest in cycling? Um, you know, and, and maybe kind of help them come through our team and have this support structure. So I think mm-hmm. it's going to be fun and I'm excited for it. Oh, absolutely. I, I think that's so amazing. Like I didn't, it's so cool to hear about, you know, how you're going to give back and hearing what you're going to do just warms my heart. And I think it's so awesome to be able to, to do that. And it, I'm, I'm at a loss for words right now. It is incredible. So I'm, I'm super excited to see what the, the, the team does. And I think it's going to go places and change change minds, change, change people's lives. So I'm really excited to to see the future of the, the transnational women's cycling team. So it's, it's yeah. awesome stuff. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Yeah. It should be fun. And, um, you know, when re- registration opens in a couple of days, um, it's going to be fun to get everybody, you know, their, um, I'm thinking of the word, um, their profiles on, on mm-hmm. our website. So everybody will have a profile and we'll have a bio list and we'll give them, you know, a list of questions to answer. So you can kind of learn about these, these girls and some of their favorite rides or, um, you know, best food to eat or whatever, you know, whatever questions we come up with. So it'll be fun to give them a place to be proud of, 
themselves and positive. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to be fun. I think we'll probably no. have around 30 year old, 30 girls, um, for 2017. So that's, that's outstanding from the West Coast to the East Coast. Awesome. Yeah. No, and I think it's, it's great too. I mean, that's in positive role models is huge. Um, and I think the, the platform you have is just, it, it's going to, it's going to be a really powerful tool. So I'm, like I said, I'm going to keep saying it. I'm super pumped to, to see where this goes. So absolutely. Yeah. And there's going to be probably a little controversy our first phase because we're already gearing up. There's, um, there's a, a good amount of elites on the team. So we're already mm-hmm. talking about, um, our first race being Winston Salem in, in North Carolina or mm. um, Speed Week. So, um, we're going to come out with the bang and we're going to come out and, um, here we are. And, you know, we completely fall in line with IOC and USAC rules. So we're in compliance and we want to be here. Um, and race with the gender that we associate with. So um, it, it's going to be fun. Absolutely. Well, well, that, I mean, that leads perfect up to, you know, I to learn more about, you know, your involvement with, and just so if anybody doesn't know, IOC stands for International Olympic Committee. Um, so I'm like, as you we were talking, I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, I'm not sure if we, we clarified that earlier. So if anybody's yeah, wondering. Yeah, I should have done that. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I was just thinking about that. Um but yeah, so tell us a little bit more about your involvement with the International Olympic Committee. Um, that seemed like that was quite an interesting process. I'd love to hear more about what that was like for you. Yeah, it's it's been awesome. It's been amazing, and um, it's ongoing. It's it's going to be ongoing for years. But uh, you know, when I once again back in June when you know, some articles started getting out there and people started doing different things um, about me just to share share what it's like to be a trans athlete. Um, There's a woman that um, she kind of caught the eye to one article and then another, and her name is Dr. Joanna Harper. Um, Mm -hmm. And she is a a doctor that works at, um, where is it, the... I believe in Oregon. Um, but anyways, mm-hmm. so she is a trans woman herself, but she's an athlete. Um, and she is, she works with the advisors at the IOC. So she's been working on, um, the different transgender policies with IOC mm-hmm. for years and years and years. Um, she's actually the one that helped to bring it to light and change the rules that just happened last January. So she was, um, you know, a, a big um, backer in all that, um, sitting on the panel with the other IOC um, members and advisors um, to work through all of her studies. And up to that point, there had been um, just runners. I mean, because if you think about it, I mean, there's more people that run than actual cycle and do other sports. And and then you bring that down and you kind of, you know, more granular all the way down to you're also transgender and you have numbers before and after, you know, running is probably the biggest sport that she was able to pull data from. Mm-hmm. But um, so that first round, you know, she did, um, oh gosh, I can't even tell you how many women she 
um, she followed through years and collected data um, from the last 10 years of her life. So it's a 10-year study that, that she's been working with. Um, well, she's been presenting this to with the different advisors um, to the committee. And um, so in January, they adopted the policy that says that transgender uh, women have to have this, you know, testosterone level, which is mm-hmm. pretty much it's it's the range of a cisgender woman. And if you fall in line with that <clears throat> and you've been at that for so long, like a year, um, and you, you know, live as a woman and you also have your gender marker changed and your identity changed, mm-hmm. then you can compete in the IOC or in the, in the Olympics. Um, so how I got involved with that is, you know, a little backstory of Dr. Joanna Harper and how she came to light, but she reached, reached out to me after seeing some of my different articles that went out and asked if I'd be interested in helping them, um, you know, do a study. And, you know, absolutely. The more I can help for anybody, um, the better. And it just so happened um, at the same time, they just never had a cyclist that um, had come through the doors yet. So it was really exciting to be the first cyclist to kind of work in this platform. And because I was an athlete for years before, um, and I had, it's called power. You know, you can measure your power in, mm-hmm. um, in your bike through a computer. And, um, and that computer is, and then there's software that says, you know, how much you've done and how much power you're putting out and for how long. And you can measure that, um, to, to great accuracy. So because that I've been measured before, um, and you're, you get measured, um, pretty much every year, you know, you kind of work through this, you know, big effort, um, so you can get a benchmark, a foundation, so you mm-hmm. can build on that foundation every year. So that's why you would kind of want to be tested. But so I was tested before, and then I was uh, recently, um, you know, went and underwent different tests, um, and they, you know, looked at both of the, the data. Um, and I was, excuse me, um, being tested at uh, CTS, which is Carmichael Training Systems, which was, Mm -hmm. you know, formerly Lance Armstrong's coach. Um, He, you know, worked a lot with with Lance in in years um, prior, but um, CTS is scattered throughout the United States. And, you know, there's multiple in each state. So it's a a very scientific you know, what they do there is, was groundbreaking and has been groundbreaking for, for years. And, um, so it was awesome to go back to CTS and being able to do the, the tests again for the IOC. So, um, you know, with so far, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting what has happened, um, transition wise as far as being an athlete. Um, you know, you kind of go through, hills and valleys and you know some days you you feel like oh you're going to hold your power and then all of a sudden it just like it dumps and um mm-hmm. I would say probably like eight months six to eight months on HRT 
like my power and my athletic ability just went just in the gutter. It was, it was bad. Um, you know, my breathing changed, um, because of the spiro I take, it makes mm-hmm. me very dehydrated. So that was a challenge. Um, you don't have testosterone anymore. And I'm right. used to that testosterone being there, like, as this force or as this, like, person, you know, going, go harder. You know, you didn't have that. You know, I don't have that now. So it was like this real big mind struggle to try to understand, um, you know, how how do I build back up? So now I'm in the gutter and my mind, I have to convince my mind to push harder because I don't have that testosterone pushing me like I did before. Mm So it was a struggle and it started, you know, it started to decrease and I think it was at its lowest probably about eight months. Um, and then I slowly just started coming out of that. And, um, and so through that, I've lost, um, a lot of VO2 max. Excuse me. Um, VO2 max, uh, my max heart rate. Overall, um, my power has dropped 11, 11%. So if you were to look um, anywhere, go on the Internet and just look from cisgender women, cisgender men, elite cyclists, the difference between just the cisgender male and female range is exactly 11%. So it's fascinating. Yeah, it came down to exactly that. Um, And it was exactly the same test I did at CTS, um, same duration. And I felt, you know, physically, mentally, I was on top just as I was on top. Um, I think it was five years before that I did it. Mm-hmm. So it was uh, right at 11%. So the science um, falls right in there with everything. And um, so it was, it was pretty fascinating to see those numbers and know that, um, you know, you're, you're in line. And, and that's kind of what helps as, an athlete too, for me anyways, um, when I saw those numbers, it made me feel, even though I was in compliance with the IOC and I knew where my blood levels were, my testosterone mm-hmm. levels, knowing that too, like has given me a place that I know that I'm, I am competing in, you know, the gender that I want to, uh, in that field, in the women's field, and I'm doing this a hundred percent, um, you know, fair game. You know, there's, there's Absolutely. no, not any, any way that I have an advantage on the field. So, you know, I can feel strong about that. So that's probably one thing that I could stress to athletes is just know where your levels are. And so mm-hmm. if you do get into a pickle with some organizing, um, body, is understand where that level is with the IOC and, and make sure you fall in that, that category, that range, because, you know, last thing you want to be is, is get tested and, um, then to find out that you have a higher testosterone and then, you know, that could be bad for, for everybody, you know, plus they won't allow you to race again, um, for years. So, mm-hmm. but, um, so that's how I got involved with Joanna Harper. She pulled me in. I was, I worked with CTS in years prior and, um, so I'm still like 
this Thursday, I'll go in for my third um, testing. Um, mm-hmm. And this Thursday, it's for sprint intervals and, um, yeah, power sprints. And then we'll, we'll kind of put it out on the shelf for a little while, and we're going to wait um, probably a year and do it again. And then we're mm-hmm. going to do it again after my SRS um, because there's some people that have said that things, more things happen as far as your power declines after that. Um, so, so that's why the study is going to go on for years is to see if that will play a role in something. Um, so it, it's going to be fascinating and, and I love science. I love numbers. And, um, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really happy that I can work with them and, and give back, but also create a place. And that's what works really well with this team is if anybody has a question about anything, I mean, I'm in no way a doctor, but I could answer questions and help them figure out maybe where they need to be as far as their testosterone ranges. Um, just because I'm working so closely right now with USAC and IOC that um, I'm able to answer questions because I'm talking directly to the doctors. I know the policies that are going to be coming out um, here soon, um, what mm-hmm. the policies, like what they're thinking that they want to do. And, and new policies are coming out just like they always do. And it's going to be, it's going to be a good, a good policy. Um, so that will be exciting, but, um, but yeah, so that's kind of more about, um, my involvement with IOC. Well, I think what's so fascinating, cause I mean, I'm, I'm a runner and, you know, hearing how you kind of, once you hit that six to eight month range, you know, being on HRT, you had that, that lull essentially like your, your breathing change, different, different aspects like that. It's, I can totally relate to that because as I, you know, because I continued training um, once I started hormones and I actually did a race where I noticed such a change in the, in the breathing and, and like you said, yeah. the dehydration. I mean, and that's another thing too is, you know, when, when you do start hormones, make sure you be careful when you're careful if you're, if you're, you know, doing anything athletic because you're changing the chemical balance of your body. So I think that's another another great thing for people to understand that you're going to experience some changes and just be aware of them. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's kind of odd, you know, you doing the same like 10k run and you're like dying of thirst. So, yeah, definitely um think about that before you go out in the middle of the summer if you're just starting HRT. Well, yeah, I mean, for me, like, I never, before I transitioned, I rarely sweat at all when I ran, and now, like, I sweat so much more. I don't know if there's a, if it's because of the hormones and the spiro, but I don't know. I just, I, for me, I'd like to know more about that, like, in the future, you know, do some research, but I don't know if that's a reason for it, but I did find that fascinating that before I rarely sweat and now I sweat a lot more than I ever have. So Yeah, that is interesting because I've heard on girls that transition it's kind of the other way around. So hmm. um yeah. Um but everybody that I've talked to all struggle with the dehydration part. So 
yeah. that I think across the board is is pretty true to say. So, but see, I was a sweater before, and I'm a sweater afterwards. Mm-hmm. So, but that's good that you're a sweater now. That means you can just be that much stronger. Your body is more efficient. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so that's good. So, well, yeah. well, that's a good. <laughs> awesome. So, well, that's oh, that's just exciting to know and. Uh, you know, it's great that you're a resource too. If anybody is wondering, you know, about policies or um, have has questions in regards to the IOC and what what they're looking for, um, you know, so they're not competing and and getting themselves in trouble. That's great that you know you're you're a resource for them. So we'll definitely yeah. Um, and another thing that I wanted to bring up um, that I just thought about is so like the big thing that's going on right now with the IOC is before you had to be like post SRS for two years. Mm-hmm. Which is which is really extreme. So we're like right now they're trying to have a really good cutoff point of this testosterone range, but also to see if you can maintain this range through just medicine. So that's another mm-hmm. thing that I'm working with another advisor to the to the ISC. So um this doctor has all my blood and and so I get I get blood drawn more often than most people, but they want to see how consistent it can stay through mm-hmm. meds. So if it can stay consistent and all the way through, then yeah, if you don't want to have SRS, you don't have to, you know, and you can still compete, which is so great because some people don't want to have SRS and um, it's not for everybody or maybe that time in their life. So they shouldn't be ruled out from, competing. So that's kind of the other side of the test too, is to see, because we all know that tolerances can be built up to different Mm -hmm. things. You can start uh, building, you know, blockers or something that just doesn't accept the drug as much as it did before. Um, Right. So that's kind of another key to this whole thing of the IOC opening up its, its rules is can we maintain a certain level for um, the duration of, let's say, five years as an athlete um, through just meds. Mm. So that's why the ongoing of this will will also help to prove that, yeah, yeah, you can stay at this level and you don't have to have SRS. So that's that's another exciting part, too. Absolutely. Yeah, I know, because I, I know some people, obviously, that's something that's not in their wheelhouse. They don't want to perceive with that. And like you said, some people might just want to wait. And not they're not in a time in their life. For example, myself, I'm not in a, a huge rush at this point. Um, but it would it would be nice to know, you know, if I was able to compete still um, with a consistency in my levels, obviously. But you know, that's that's nice to know that they're working, you know, working on that, understanding that more. That's exciting. It is, and you know, I mean, a lot of people that I talk to, they're they're frustrated. They're like. They don't understand why we have to deal with this. And it's like, unfortunately, yeah, we have to deal with this. But because, you know, um, we have to provide science to prove mm-hmm. somebody wrong, right? I mean, it's just, it is what it is. Um, you know, the different movements throughout life. I mean, unfortunately, everything that people have in life, they had to fight for. And that's kind of where... You know, I feel like I come in on this athletic platform as I'm trying to fight for these causes. Mm-hmm. 
so somebody else doesn't have to. I'm kind of helping in that, and and I'm happy to, and it's exciting. Um, but we have to provide this so these other governing um, bodies say, hey, yeah, you can compete. Um, and, like, the biggest thing that I want to work hard for is is all the way down to the high school level mm-hmm. type um, sport teams because right now a lot of them – if you, they won't let you on the soccer, the girls soccer team because the coaches right. have no idea that what's going on. So the more we can talk about it, the more positive trends of, you know, you interviewing people and getting things mm-hmm. out there, it's going to help um, people recognize that there is a level that can be maintained that keeps you at a, a cisgender on the other side. And, and then hopefully rules will be adopted on a lower level, like in high school sports and colleges and stuff like that. So, um, because that's where it really starts. Um, you know, your outlook on life is, you know, in middle school and high school and stuff like that. And you, you'll become better if you can't do what you want and be on that woman's sports team. So Mm -hmm. unfortunately we have to do some work. Um, but the good thing is, is people are listening. So, yeah, Absolutely. And, you know, one step at a time, and I'm, I'm thankful that you're, you know, you're committing to this, you're helping the cause. And, you know, as a, as another, you know, trans athlete, I, I appreciate what you're doing. So thank you. And I'm sure that goes, goes around from everyone. So, um, it is just to know that. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. And I think it's, it's, super exciting too it's just i'm a big science geek too so just seeing having that tangible data there to to prove things it just it makes it that much more satisfying when you're like well actually based on this data you know we're, we're fine like we're i mean like you said you're you're 11 percent your your power level has dropped 11 you know 11 percent. i'm sorry i'm probably explaining this wrong but yeah like you have the same um, power levels as a cisgender elite cyclist. Like that's, that is science right there working. And it just, it just proves what people think. And that's what, that's what we have to do. Yeah. Yeah. We do have to do it. And I mean, not just the power, but it's also happened in your max heart rate. So my max heart rate has gone down. My VO2 max has gone down and, and people say, well, you know, you know, biological men, you know, they will hold their, their lung capacity. And, and it's so funny how some people, and if you want to read a whole bunch of bad comments, go see on all the articles I've recently done, but you get a lot of these people saying these things and it's like, they're just not informed. So you exactly hear, you can't get mad. Like, yeah, it's, Mm -hmm. it's frustrating and it hurts me so bad, but at the same time, they know nothing and they're just speaking kind of out of their butts. Right. So, um, Mm -hmm. the more science we can get out there. So, you know, I would love to respond to that person and go, well, actually, yeah, your lung capacity does change, you know? Um, but that's not the time or place. It's actually Mm -hmm. building up, um, science, you know, and then being able to actually do a, a huge study like we're doing with the IOC and then to be able to present it to the world. Absolutely. Love it. Love it. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, the, another thing I really wanted to talk about, because 
obviously this is something very positive that you're doing. Um, you're, you know, you're, you've taken a whole positive outlook on, on everything, um, in, you know, in regard to being trans. And I guess, you know, what kind of advice would you have for, you know, our, our trans brothers and sisters out there? What, you know, what would you tell them? If, if we could, <laughs> on, on the athletic level or on, on um, both. trans Let's in general? Athletic and, yeah, athletic and in general. I mean, I think, you speak to that, you know, you speak more to, I wouldn't, I shouldn't say that. I mean, yeah, speaking to both of them, you know, athletically, what would you say, say to, you know, the, the trans men and women out there? Um, yeah, I mean, in regards to athletics. Yeah, ath- athletic, I would just say, um, follow your heart <laughs> with both, you know, both ways, but know where you're at with your level. So, when you hear somebody that's hurting you saying that you shouldn't be on that team, like that makes you, you should fight even harder to be on that team because you deserve it like anybody else. Um, mm-hmm. And, and just follow your heart and your gut instinct. And, and, you know, when you know that you are compliant in something like the, the IOC and somebody wants to give you a hard time, like, you know, it gives you a better power on them if you want to have that educated topic or that conversation with them. So, you know, I think um, just kind of knowing where you're at, but just be you and and get out there and mm-hmm. don't hold back. If you want to be on that sports team, whether it be a girls' soccer team to a girls' softball team, if that is what is enjoying to you, do it because you deserve it. Um Mm-hmm. So go for it. It's your dream. And with the other, in general, I think, you know, I've been hearing some girls lately um, asking me, like, am I doing the right thing um, in transition? Like, and I mm-hmm. think we all went through this, you know, in transition where, you know, we're like three, four, five, six months on HRT and things are starting to happen. And, but, you know, that realistic part in your mind's coming over you saying, should I, you know, I got to come out to my family. I got to come out to my work. How am I going to face the world? You know, it's like, and then they're just wondering if they should pull back my advice um, in that type of scenario. um, Follow your heart and keep on Mm -hmm. going because the other side, once you get through that, you're going to feel amazing. It's, it's, it's a dream come true. It doesn't stop being hard. I feel like we were given this, if you want to say that in a good light or not, but mm-hmm. you know, we, we have this life and we have to, we, you know, I, I think so whatever greater being that you might believe in, um, you know, has um, given us, stronger abilities to to handle life because we are transgender. So um, just keep on following your heart, your gut instinct of of going through your transition. And in that hard time, go as fast as you can, you know, Mm -hmm. try to make every groundbreaking um, thing that you can as as fast as you can, Um, you know, and I know it all costs a lot of money and things like that, but don't give up. And um, just know when you get on the other side, it's it's awesome to have that dysphoria gone. You know, I've mm-hmm. noticed that in a big way is I've had a lot of dysphoria before, obviously, and that's why we 
you know, come to this place, but also, you know, getting there, you have this dysphoria. Um, and if you can just kind of get through that, um, you're going to be happier for yourself and everybody around you and, um, and you deserve it. So that's my advice. Heck yeah. I love it. (laughs) No, I mean, it's so true. You have to, you have to be true to yourself. I mean, that's, yeah, there's, it's obviously going to affect people around you, but in, in the end, you, you have to be happy with yourself. It's, it's your life. And, um, hopefully your loved ones will follow you along the journey. Um, if, if they don't at this time, give, give them time. They, they, they may come around. And I think having that mindset of, you know, there's always, it's always possible that someone that may not be okay with it now may be okay with it in the future. Like I have family members that, you know, haven't talked to me in almost two years and, um, it's okay. Um, it, it, it bummed me out in the past, but you know what? It's one of those things where, um, they, they need time to, to digest it and however long that takes, you know, I'll be waiting, you know, to talk to them when they're ready. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's not easy going yeah. through that, you know, and I think, I think we all share that same thread, you know, some family members mm-hmm. didn't jump on board and are with us. And, um, <clears throat> so yeah, yeah, be here when, when, you know, they're done figuring it out and, um, be positive when they, they do come back around. Yeah, absolutely. And I, one more thing I wanted to, you know, touch on, and that's, you know, you, with all the different, you know, variations of adversity we, we face as trans people, you know, trans, trans women, especially, you know, what keeps you, what keeps your positive attitude each and every day? Um, you know, I, I think I was always a positive person in general. And I mm-hmm. think that comes from a place that's feeling thankful um, mm-hmm. and thoughtful and kind of, I think that's what keeps me positive is um, prayer as well. And mm-hmm. um, being thankful for what you have, you know, I mean, everything can always be worse. And, and then all of a sudden, if you get caught in that rut, that, things are just moving downhill, you know, you kind of get away from that, that positive light. Um, I think taking time for yourself, um, helps me stay positive as well. Um, for me, that outlet is cycling or running. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's like imperative that I do it every day or else I don't have that sense of getting out what has built up throughout the day. Um, so, you know, I think a combination of multiple things, but, you know, working out, having a hobby, doing what I love, um, having a wonderful family and children, um, but also being thankful for what you do have and knowing that it can always be worse. Um, that's how I've always looked at life. And, um, and I think that has, has done well for me, um, you know, whether it's a coping mechanism or not, but, um, yeah, and I think the um, power of t- intuition of, you know, the power of prayer of some sort, like, I, you know, whoever you might be, if, even if it's just getting out there and being thankful and saying it out there to the world, you know, that's um, that's some right. positive vibes you're sending out there. And mm-hmm. those positive vibes, however 
you want to do it, they're going to come back um, to mm-hmm. you, you know, and it, it might be in a totally different way and you might not recognize it coming back to you, but, um, you know, it's, it's the circle of life type thing. So, yeah, I would say that that's what keeps me positive. And how oh, I love it. And I think other people maybe, yeah, I mean, right. Yeah. No, I think, I mean, I, I feel the same way as you do. I mean, just trying to be as positive as possible. Yeah. Not every day is going to be perfect. And that's what I try and tell people is like my, not every single day that I, I live through does, is everything perfect hunky dory. No, there's, there's struggles, but what I, what I always come back to is, you know, all the great things in my life and that, that can turn that, that negative moment I'm having around. And, um, obviously it's, it's different for everyone's journey, but I think, yeah, like you said, just being thankful for what you have, um, having things that you do that make you happy, go a long way and make, and, and maintaining your positivity. Um, so yeah, no, I love it. And yeah, I'm so and thankful. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to, I wanted to like, brush on one more thing and I'm kind of going backwards. Yeah. So I'm sorry, but I wanted to no, say okay. that, you know, with the whole, um, kind of with the positive, but you know, how you, what I would say to, you know, my trans sisters and brothers, um, also is when I was saying about transition and, and, you know, getting through this hard time and following your heart and your gut instinct and, um, don't let other people, tell you what you should do. I'm not saying though when you get to the other side it's going to be necessarily easy because we still have that that tough time, you know, and once again mm-hmm. that's when your question comes in with that positivity. Um and and I still struggle with dysphoria and I think that's something that we will kind of always have to work through, you know, and it's an mm-hmm. interesting way that the this my dysphoria who's coming through right now is um through these different um, articles that I'm doing or newspapers in, in, you know, I stay away from the comments, but you can't help not to read a couple, but, or the mm-hmm. headlines, even just reading the headlines. I mean, you have to read that. And when it, when it continues and people continue to talk about how, you know, this biological male, like, you know, beats up on this women's field or whatever, or this, you know, he is just a, he and always will be. And, you know, um, I think that has struck an interesting dysphoria in me that otherwise mm-hmm. wouldn't be there if you aren't out in public. And so it's given me like another, I think, way to try to tackle something or try to uh, figure out how I'm going to deal with it uh, and that dysphoria. But so it's still going to come and it's going to come in any kind of fashion and who knows how that dysphoria might come afterwards. But, but back to your question, you know, the other part is, is being positive, knowing how to get out of that dysphoria if you're already through transition, um, mm-hmm. you know, because, but that's just it. I mean, our life isn't going to be easy the rest of our life, but it's going to be a beautiful one because we're living authentically. So. Exactly. And no, I definitely think there's no matter things, I think things will eventually change over time, but there, there is going to be, you know, like you said, there's articles where they're using the wrong pronouns and, you know, you obviously feel very comfortable being you, but other people 
construe that and that can be extremely frustrating and I can only imagine, you know, if someone was writing an article on me and they were to use, you know, male pronouns, I'm like, well, I don't feel that way at all. I don't, I don't, I obviously identify as a, as a man anymore. Like, yeah, I see that as being really frustrating, but it's great that you're, you know, that's something you're, you're, you know, working on understanding that that's just, it is what it is. It doesn't change who you are. You're, you're living your life authentically. And I think that's really res- resonates with me, especially like, that you you can move beyond that. It, it might, it might. I'm gonna say it suck right now, but yeah. um, to have to have the the power to be able to move beyond it is just incredible. And I think that that speaks so highly of, of who you are as a person. I think you're incredible. And um, a- anyone listening that you know is is transitioning is thinking about transitioning. You're you're an amazing role model. You're putting yourself out there. And I commend you for that. that is well, thank you. And I mean, what you're doing too is amazing. Uh, thank you for having me. It's been awesome. And, um, you know, the, the, the amount of people that you're going to be able to touch through your different guest speakers is, is huge. And at the end of the day, like all of our trans sisters, we're all in this together. You know, this is the life mm-hmm. we have chosen or it chose us or who we are, our true selves. And, the more we can stick together as a community and as a whole, like, mm-hmm. and and have this place um, of comfort and security, the better we're all going to be. So the more we can, you know, help and be out there and, um, you know, take, take the hits, um, things are going to be good. You know, we're just, we're moving forward in a, in a, positive manner and I I believe it I mean it's going to take some time and it's taken time thank God all those people you know trans and gays and lesbians have have fought this fight for so long already and, mm-hmm. and I feel like I'm kind of you know people that are tired I'm like grabbing that wand and I'm like taking it just that next step you know and if more people can be involved in whatever you know and the, the more um you know, good word we can spread, I think the better. So, so I thank you for, for everything you're doing too. Oh, absolutely. No, it's, it's, it's a great, it's a great way just to, you know, the biggest thing is there's so many untold stories and, you know, each one we tell is just going to create more awareness, education. And I'm hoping, you know, we can, we can build this community because we really are stronger together. And, um, you are right. Like we've had these people fight before us. Now it's our turn. We have to keep going. We can't give up. Like, I feel like that, that can be a, a, a thing we hit sometimes. It's just, we hit a, we hit a, a rut in the road, but you have to pick yourself back up because if we, if we stop trying, then all these haters, I guess you can call them win. Right. You can't let them win. So, um, Thank you so much for for being yeah. on the call, um, being with us today, and um, I'm super excited to you know continue to see the journey. I'm going to share your um, uh, the um, your group's website on my um, the team's website on my on oh that'd be podcast awesome. page. Yeah, please do that way. You know, people can go check you out, um, learn more about about the uh, transnational women's cycling team, and uh, obviously. Keep spreading the love there. We definitely want to see that grow into something bigger than it already is. And, you know, let's, let's keep this train rolling. <laughs> yeah. 
definitely <laughs> please please uh share that and I'm you know more than happy to come back anytime you want me to so just let me know and um yeah no that would be awesome I, I think it'd be awesome yeah to see uh, you know at, obviously as you go through these different um progressions of the International Olympic Committee I think it'd be great to do you know a a quick update that way you know people that have listened to this podcast can hear hear that journey what what science is there and that way, you know, when, when people, when these topics come up, they, they have information. They can educate people that might be skeptics to it. Um, I think this is really a place where we can, we can spread a lot of education on, specifically with the International Olympic Committee and what it means to, you know, compete as a trans athlete. Definitely. And if any of the people listening, um, have any questions or, you know, um, please reach out, like, Find me on Facebook and, and send me a message. I might not get back right away, but just send it. And I would be more than happy to set up a time to chat with you on something you're going through or trying to be in line or um, whatever. I'm here. So um, I want to help. So just, you know, reach out if you need to. Perfect. Awesome. Yeah, we'll we'll make sure we'll include all that stuff. Um We'll get all that information. That way, we can we can direct people your way if they if they definitely have questions. I think that's thank you for you know offering that as well. Absolutely, you, sure. Uh, keep on keep on spreading the education. So, well, Jillian, I'm so thankful that you're able to join us today. Um, I'm, Me too. I'm excited to to see where this goes, and I might be joining the team here next year. So watch. Out. I hope so. <laughs> I know I had to get myself back in shape uh, cycling-wise, so it shouldn't take too long. (laughs) That's where the club team is perfect. It's perfect for anybody that just wants to be a part of a community and uh, wear our kits and um, being able to get good sponsorship discounts. So you can start off there. Absolutely. Awesome. Yep, work my way up. (laughs) Yeah, well, thanks so much. uh, Yeah, no problem. Talk with you soon. All right. Sounds awesome. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. It was an absolute pleasure to have Jillian on the podcast. She's an amazing person. Um, I cannot wait to see what she does with the transnational women's cycling team. Uh, what they're all about is going to just change lives. And I think if you can get out there and support them, support their cause, that'll be huge. So I know I'm going to you know, get out to as many as I can and show my support. But everyone have an awesome rest of your day. Keep smiling and uh, know that together we can make change and uh, stay positive. We'll talk to you next week. See you guys.